Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Touchdown. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello and welcome in. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We are coming to you live here recording on a Tuesday night here to talk about your Arizona Cardinals. We got the NFL draft coming up at the end. We're finally officially in April now. It feels like it's been the longest March. Uh, Hopefully we can get a little bit of a distraction away from all of that that's going on. Not meaning to, um, uh, you know, deny there's been so many... Uh, people at least who are having, you know, whether it's struggles financially, work with all uh, people at least, you know, who have either lost jobs or have, have health or all of these things that are going on about one thing that at least stays consistent is uh, our ability to uh, adapt as humans and also our ability to uh, find little fun distractions like things like football. Uh, my name is Blake Murphy. I'm on Twitter at Blake Murphy seven and here to help with some of that distracting for some of you guys listening in here on this podcast is my co-host, the venerable John venerable. Uh, John, how are you doing? And how are you holding up with the uh, crazy? I just got back from shopping a little while ago and wasn't as hectic as I would have thought, but it's also cause uh, I went at night and everything was already picked over. What's going on over with you and John land. Yeah, well, you know, we're fortunate in Arizona. That's where you're at. Uh, Oregon has um, minimal cases of corona so far. That doesn't mean it's not incoming, um, and it doesn't make it not scary and frightening to go out and be amongst people. Uh, but we're doing all right. I um, certainly didn't go crazy and, and stock up uh, and hoard a bunch of supplies like a lot of selfish people did. But I went out probably two weeks ago and got – probably like two weeks worth of stuff, um, in, in prep for this. Uh, my wife and I are a hundred percent working from home. We're fortunate that our, our jobs allow us to do that. And so we probably make it out for groceries, uh, once every four or five days. Uh, we do order pickup when we, when we can, um, like you, I, sometimes I just need to get physically in the store and do it. And so I'm very, you know, cautious with anything and everything that I touch. I, I have, Purell ready to go. So it's a, a new reality. Hopefully it's a um, short uh, stance that we have to take um, and try not to watch too much of the news because I've been doing that. It'll it'll drive you nuts. Uh, <laughs> so it's a good excuse to, to spend it, uh, time with your family. And the good news for us is we've got the NFL to tease, the NFL draft uh, specifically. Um, but like, I don't know if you and I were going to touch on this anyway tonight because we're going to go over some prospects which will mm-hmm. be a lot of fun but they did expand the playoffs today and they're moving to seven teams per conference 
And boy, do I think that bodes well for our Arizona Cardinals, assuming they play a season in 2020. Yeah, they've talked about how they don't have any contingency plans right now as far as they're considering them, but ultimately moving ahead as though it's more of, all right, we'll go ahead like the season, we'll start on time, and if we need to adapt or make adjustments, we will. Uh, we did hear that the schedule is supposed to be dropped around May 9th. Normally it's dropped a little bit, I think, around ahead of the draft, or sometimes I think it's gone after. But for at least this time, the April uh, dates that we have seen before, I believe, are now going to be in May. Uh, seems like the, a lot of people are talking about how it might push a lot of those divisional games that could be playoff deciding into the back end of the season. It was a similar move to what they did during the 2011 season when there was fear of a lockout. I remember that especially where the Cardinals didn't acquire their starting quarterback for that season up until uh, the end of July. And that tells you just how quick and brief it was as far as for once they had a CBA agreed to to make a trade, get things swung in, and be able to continue with the season. Um, and I think with the league overall, as you're saying, John, it, it'll be very interesting to see how they adapt if it's a case where when the seasons change, or they kind of stay on high alert and go as normal? Uh, is this going to be games played without anyone in the stadium? There's a lot that still we'll have to find out exactly what it'll look like. But the NFL is essentially, in a lot of cases, the uh, kind of like the giant, the Energizer Bunny in a way, just kind of keeps going and going, uh, just keeps um, essentially plodding along. That's in some cases, a testament to the sustainability of the league, to the people who watch it. Uh, in other cases, it's a sign of the people who are there as far as, you know, not adapting unless we have to. And, hey, just finding ways to adapt and adjust. Uh, Michael Bidwell got to talk today on the Cards Radio, talked about how their IT group has been essentially the MVPs for them being able to set up. Uh, all of the different conferencing, getting everyone linked in. Um, they had a Zoom, essentially Zoom press conference today. <laughs> everyone was at home, uh, quarantined like a, just as we were. Uh, he talked a little bit at least about some of the faith that he had in Steve Kime, and a lot of that, John, does tie into these draft picks. Uh, if you missed it last week, we went over in excruciating detail over the first pick that the Cardinals have in this upcoming draft at number eight, um, looking at a lot of the players who are there. If you want to listen to last week, that will be our recommendation because we're not going to be talking about that pretty much at all tonight. We are going to be moving on and focusing on some of the other rounds, the other prospects that are there in the draft for rounds two through seven. Um, so definitely listen to that former show. Uh, John, let, let's go ahead and talk a bit before we jump into round two. We talked already and went over in detail some of the prospects the Cardinals could target if they trade back. As a result, we know from what we've talked about, at least for us, it seems like what the Cardinals would want and what makes sense for what fans almost would want as well would be for Arizona to jump back. Probably not maybe past pick 13 unless you're getting quite a haul. Trade back a few spots, see if you can get a second, maybe a third and a fifth or so, be able to pick up another prospect. So let's assume that they do end up having a second round pick they're able to get back in somewhere that's either early to mid, maybe even a late second round pick, John. And let's jump right in at least. Do you think that this is likely for the Cardinals? And if it is something that they're able to pull off by getting that second they traded for DeAndre Hopkins back what would be then maybe the positions or names, assuming that one of the big four that we talked about last week, uh, whether it was going to be, um, uh, we talked about Isaiah Simmons, Derek Brown, CeeDee Lamb, and 
Jeff Okuda, uh, 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 yeah, Jeff Okuda is more of the one who was like the pipe dream, essentially. Sure, uh, yeah. With the last one being Tristan Wirfs, who kind Tristan of at least Wirfs. we feel is like, and most people in mock drafts feel, is the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, if they're able to move back a bit, not a guarantee, but at least from those positions, you're addressing somewhere as a defensive player, somewhere you're addressing either a wide receiver or a tackle. Looking at that, where do you think the Cardinals could move potentially if they're able to move back into the second round? And is that even a likelihood that they could pull that off? I don't think so. Um, I think that, again, like we touched on last week, um, not to rehash this too much, but you go through the scenarios with the with the trade chart. Uh, we use the uh, Draft Network mock draft machine, which allows for trades for premium membership. Um, I look at scenarios, and really the sweet spot to me is anywhere before before San Francisco now picks at 13. That was always a kind of a, a a great place to mock trade down with the Cardinals before it became San Francisco's pick because you talk about Indianapolis owning that pick before the DeForest Buckner trade. Man, they you would have thought, oh, they're going to want to move up for Justin Herbert. Maybe they'd want to move up for Jordan Love. Let's trade down to 13, get an additional second. The Colts always harbor more picks. They've got a lot stashed away from a lot of savvy moves in years prior. And then they dealt away their first to San Francisco, and it throws a huge wrench in this. And I know you can't be too de- beholden on what San Francisco does. You have to worry about yourself. But we talked about it. They've got needed receiver. They've got needed offensive tackle. They now have need on the defensive line. They have needs in the secondary. They have a lot of the same needs as the Cardinals do. And so you're likely gifting them if you opt to trade below them one of these premium picks that you otherwise could have taken beforehand. So I I do not see a scenario. Again, this is just me talking. If you move down from eight to nine to Jacksonville, 10 to Cleveland, 11 to the Jets, 12 to the Oakland Raiders. I don't even think the Raiders have a second round pick this year. I could be wrong. I don't think they do. So that would be the only scenario in which— You're correct. No second-round pick this year. No second-round pick for the Raiders. So if you're talking about a team coming up for a quarterback, it would be Oakland, right? If if Jacksonville wants to come up one spot, maybe you could coax a third. I don't think Cleveland's trading up. I don't think the Jets, with all of their needs, are trading up. If anything, the Jets probably would—like the Cardinals would like to trade down. So if you have a dream of getting a a second-round pick— you better just assume that's going to be well after San Francisco picks at 13. So for, for everybody that wants to supplement that pick from the Hopkins deal, again, you're going to be looking at late teens into the early 20s. You're going to be talking about 21 to Philadelphia, maybe 22 to Minnesota. I, is Dallas coming up at 17? I, I can't see a lot of these teams that are picking in the teens – have franchise quarterbacks, have a lot of needs. Now, a lot of things change on draft day. Teams get desperate. I get that. I, and I do think Kime's going to shop the pick, depending on who's there. I just don't think, Blake, you're getting a second-round pick in in these scenarios. But let's, for the sake of this, because we're doing this exercise, mm-hmm. let's say at 21, the Philadelphia Eagles tell you, listen, we're, we're in love with CeeDee Lamb. Or we're in love with Henry Ruggs. We want to come up to – this is how he rose me. He likes to make deals. He's a deal maker. They're general manager. We want to come up to eight. We're going to give you pick 21. And in my opinion, if you're dealing down that far past San Francisco, 
you know, there's not a huge difference between, I think, the players that are going to be there at pick 16, 17, 18, and 21. So really, if you're if you're dead set on additional picks, you might as well obviously go for the best package. That's right. that's clearly the case. So let's say they move down with Philadelphia, who's been known to deal. Yep. Philadelphia's traded up in years prior. They traded up for Brandon Graham. They've done a lot of deals in, in previous they traded first up rounds. Last year for a tackle, just jumping yep. the Texans who would have taken that tackle with right. the next Andre pick. Dillard from yep. University of Washington. And from a so quick check, up, John, I was gonna say before I get there, it would be if they traded a second run pick for that move, you would go from pick eight and pick seventy two to pick twenty one fifty three from the Eagles pick and then seventy two. So essentially, you'd so be you cutting it right in between that pick 20, pick 70. It'd almost be in the center for that. You'd be getting that second round pick if the Eagles did want to make a trade up like that. Yeah. And is that fair value, Blake? Do you think they would ask for more? I feel like in that scenario, you That's probably, if you're the Eagles, spots. if you're the Eagles for that one, I think that you could do a second round there. But if you said, hey, we'll give you a second round for 13, and we'll throw in a third rounder that comes in for that one potentially next year. So you're like, okay, it's a two and a three. <laughs> You'd be it'd looking be a late at, three. It'd be a late three because you're assuming they'd be there. So that would be the question of, I don't think you could ask for two seconds. Feels like it'd be almost too much to get up just for essentially a swap. And if you're the Cardinals, you're saying, hey, like we're getting two seconds out of this. Great. We can utilize that next year. Whereas the yep. Eagles would, by, now that said, John, we've seen this before. When teams have jumped into the top 10, and this is the trade that you're thinking of at least, is the Buffalo Bills, when they did move up for Josh Allen, they did trade two second-round picks. Essentially, they did it for not getting a first-round pick. And that's what teams I've noticed have done. Hey, we're going to keep our first. That's our prime pick. But we'll give you two seconds and go and get our guy. The one Let's thing, say we, yeah. the Cardinals get their second next year and this year. Yeah. And if that's the case, then I think you could say, okay, if you're talking about rebuilding, you just added two picks and essentially probably the top 50 to 60 of two drafts for that one. And you gave up what would be probably a top 10 player. It, and I, I and, like the idea of giving time additional ammunition next year to deal for another player. I know that the Hopkins, right. the Chandler Jones deals come around every so often, every off season, we see players that are in their peak, the kid out of Jacksonville right now, demanding to get out. Yannick, I can't, how do you pronounce his, his first it's like and last? Yannick Ngakwe, I believe. And Stud it's, pass rusher, yeah, 25 yeah. years old. <laughs> they're, they're looking for a premium pick. I mean, the Trent Williams scenario occurred, and in in, in Washington wants a second rounder now, although they're not, they're not going to get it. D. Ford was dealt for a second. Frank Clark was dealt for a late first. I mean, don't get hung up on this year's draft only because the Cardinals have a window with Murray this time next year, if they have two seconds, you could potentially deal one of them for another player. So let's let's just assume, Blake, that that's the deal. We get their 2020 second and their 2021 second rounder from Philadelphia. We're dropping to pick 21, right? So I have got my big board here. I've got my draft network. Here are some of the players that will probably be available as of now around that spot. So Justin Jefferson, wide receiver from the University of LSU. Um, defensive end Clavon Chasson yeah. is somebody who I have right now ranked in the late teens, although he has been earning, I don't want to say top 15 buzz lately, but I feel like he is a fast riser. A Josh Jones tackle from Houston, a Trayvon Diggs cornerback for Alabama. So let's say in, if this was my scenario, I w you're going to have to pick from – a, a third tier tackle, right? Or I would opt to go somebody on the interior offensive line that could come in and supplant 
um, J.R. Sweezy. And if you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, interior offensive line, that's what you're going to have to deal with if you're picking this far down. And usually the top interior offensive linemen go off the board, if, unless they're a generational prospect and they go early, like the kid from Indianapolis in the top 10. Usually you get the best guard center at right around pick 18 to 22. So I really – and. That you may not like him, Blake. I really like the kid, Cesar Ruiz from mm-hmm. Michigan. He was teammates with Mason Cole. I think you, you plug him in at right guard next year. He's immediately your most, I think, your most talented offensive lineman, 6'3", 310. That's the kind of player, maybe a Zach uh, Bond from the University of Wisconsin outside linebacker, the uh, A.J. Espinisa, the defensive end from Iowa, those are the kind of players in a trade-down scenario that would garner a second-round pick that you would be getting. Now, on the flip side, if you were to go and deal into the, the 50s, you said that Philadelphia had roughly 50, pick 52 or uh, 56? 53, 53, 53. Yes. okay. So you're looking at maybe a Trey Adams offensive tackle from Washington. Maybe you want to double up on offensive line. Um, the kid out of Arizona state, the wide receiver, Brandon, a Luke, uh, the local product. Yep. That's the one. Yeah. I'm going to butcher that because I am, uh, not of Arizona state. Um, Zach Moss, Utah state running back. I like him late in the second round. Um, I think that second round running back market would be really interesting for the Cardinals to dive into, assuming you could get good value. I just, I think that, that's a far drop for me. And you can even tell, like, we're kind of reaching for names. Like, we can't. Are you going to get excited about talking about CeeDee Lamb and Isaiah Simmons and all of these premium prospects, Jeff Okuda for months, and then you deal into the 20s for two twos? That's you kind of have to sell your soul a little bit, Blake. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that there's talented names that you have. But again, like we talked about, there is a cost when you do drop down out of the top 10. Uh, especially then with your needs that you have, because we, as we've talked about, John, whenever the Cardinals have their boards and whenever they look at their picks, they always are looking for players of talent, but also looking for positions of needs. You look at it during the 2014 draft, they were looking heavily at Ryan Shazier at a linebacker. They end up dropping back a few picks and he was gone to Dale Buchanan, who is a safety. They needed a safety at the time to replace Yeremiah Bell. Turns out they moved Dale Buchanan to safety after the Daryl Washington situation happened. It moved him from safety, I should say, to linebacker. So you also look at 2015. Cardinals are looking at pass rushers. Um, one of the guys who they even had with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Bud Dupree, who uh, I believe is staying with the team now. Uh, let's see. I don't think he's still on the market. I have to double check. But they're looking at Bud Dupree, looking at pass rushers. He was off the board by the time they picked. Same with um, the Broncos trading up for Shane Ray. So the Cardinals they had a need for pass rusher trade back a bit, had a desire for running backs. They're over there in the second round. Amir Abdullah was their guy. We've all seen it on All or Nothing uh, repeatedly for many of us Cardinals fans. Cardinals are wanting Amir Abdullah. They're going to get Amir Abdullah. Lions trade up in front of them. Cardinals instead go at the pass rusher that they were looking at potentially with their first pick. And then in round three, they go and take the running back. So, John, even though we've talked about how the Cardinals can try to kind of cover all of their bases, they still do go into the draft and have needs that they try to target and acquire, and they have them in different tiers. Like, as we saw with that in the move, hey, we didn't get our pass rusher, cool, we'll take DJ Humphreys. Second round, we're looking at a running back. Okay, we didn't get the running back, cool, we've got our pass rusher. Now in the third round, we have David Johnson. So if the Cardinals we know are looking at defensive line help, they're looking at linebacker help, um, potentially with Simmons or at least a defensive playmaker, 
And you're also looking at tackle and even a wide receiver. It's like if we stick with some of those positions that the Cardinals we know are looking at in round one, it's really hard to go wrong in round two unless there's a player who really stands out. And like you said, with Cesar Ruiz, I could even see a scenario where if he's high enough on Arizona's board, maybe he's your top-rated center in this whole draft, and he's still there. You're like, oh, cool, we can take him, plug him in as our center prospect, bring along Mason Cole as our right guard, maybe even flip-flop the two of them, put Mason back at that position if you feel Caesar is more natural at center. Hey, maybe that's an option, but I think that's more of a stretch because I think the Cardinals know where their needs are. And as we've seen, I think there'd be more tackle prospects you'd look at. So uh, Josh Jones out of Houston is someone that some have looked at, but I think the name that you would probably more target in any sort of trade back, and some may call it a reach, but the Cardinals in this type of draft, you kind of have to draft what you know. Uh, you'd be looking at Ezra Cleveland, the offensive tackle out of Boise State. The Cardinals have met with him at least a few times, gotten on a call. That would be the name I would probably think you'd look at at 21. You'd essentially be saying, hey, we're saying no to... Sure. Uh, a top tackle. Instead, you're picking up a second round pick that you can use. And maybe you're, you know, another guy you have as a top five, top six tackle that's on your board. I don't think that there's a problem with that. Um, and then looking in that second round around the pick 50, like you said, the running backs in this class, there is a bit of a drop off after the top five. There's still some good players I think you can find in maybe round three and round four um, who are able to fit a lot of what the Cardinals look for, or at least have a great defining trait you can build around. So if that's the case, you could say, hey, maybe if this running back is one of our better players, Kenyon Drake's on a one-year deal, he's officially signed his tenure, but he's not a guarantee for next year. Maybe you could say if this is a great value, take the player, but I feel more inclined to think, John, that either they'd go with someone on the lines would seem to make a lot of sense even if they have already gone on the first round and drafted alignment on the offensive side, I could definitely see them going on the defensive line and being able to add someone. One of the names that would stand out here you could probably look at would be um, uh, Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma, the defensive lineman who really was probably one of the best combine um, performances of any player had that was yeah. one of him. You've got a few experienced guys who are there. Um, if a guy that you like, and I don't see the Cardinals drafting a T. Higgins. It feels like that his skill set is a bit different. But uh, another edge player as far as Curtis Weaver would be someone that you could potentially look at as a rotational pass rusher, especially if you're saying, hey, we got a coverage guy that we're looking for on first or second down. Bring in your third down lineman. You could even move someone like um, Kennard at least to move a little bit to the interior, see if you can get him upfield. I feel like that would be much more of the move if you were able to add a second-round pick over a skill position player, even a wide receiver, because I don't think that there's a wide receiver talent that's going to be there in the second round that you can't replace by saying, hey, we're going to take a flyer on this burner who can go in a later round and kind of hedge some of your bet on right. Hakeem Butler and Andy Isabella. So, again, like you said, John, the running backs would be interesting. The pick, if I had to say, if I was at pick 53 and it was there, my personal preference for pairing up would be obviously a player we've talked about before, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, if he's there. Some people are wondering if NFL teams may take him as high as um, before Arizona would have picked in the 40s is what some people are wondering now. Sure. But the fit that you would have as far as for the, um, the playmaking, the ability, the elusiveness, the smarts that you would have, it just feels like it would very much fit. And his pass-catching ability especially would allow you to essentially go – five wide at any time and you'd be adding one of the best wide receivers on your team would be your running back it would be similar to a best way someone described it is imagine if you took david johnson and his pass catching skills and ability and put it into kareem hunt's body that was how someone described edwards hilaire and it makes a lot of sense to me 
And while I do think that may be what I would probably do, just because, you know, it'd be fun to be able to watch and to see getting a talent like that, I feel like the Cardinals are much more likely to go and add an additional day three, maybe third round back, more of a supplement to Kenyon Drake and hedge their bet versus going out and kind of Mm -hmm. investing that high of a pick. So uh, for my money, John, just looking at the second round players, I would say look at the lines. Doesn't matter if they took a lineman first round. Um, They could even take a uh, they could even take a guy like a Lloyd Cushenberry potentially or. Uh, Damian Lewis is someone who's gotten a little bit of buzz out of LSU. I think that no matter what, if the Cardinals were picking here at 40, you'd be looking at linemen. And some of that, let's be honest, it's because DeAndre Hopkins went at pick 40. And if the Cardinals had gone linemen in the first round, you'd be assuming they're taking a wide receiver in the second. So, But I don't think we need to spend too much time here on this. The one thing I will say, though, is whenever I've run the uh, draft simulations and scenarios and looking at prior history... I don't think there's a team that's going to be willing to give up a second-round pick for the Cardinals to drop back to maybe pick 15. That being said, two teams that stood out in particular to me and some of the needs that they had I found really interesting. The first one would be the New York Jets, who um, signed two offensive um, weapons for Sam Darnold. They're both kind of on smaller deals. Um, That would be the... um, Oh, let's see. They let, uh, I believe it was Robbie Perryman go. But yeah, Brashad Perryman was signed there for them. And uh, there was one other receiver that I believe that they signed who's like their starter, but it's a, it's a smaller name. So the Jets, a lot of people wonder if they're going to be in on rugs, potentially Judy. They also signed two tackles. One of them was George Fant out of Seattle and then another backup tackle. A lot of Jets fans said, hey, we went through our offseason. We signed two offensive tackles. Offensive tackle is still our number one need. <laughs> and that just makes you feel, for one thing, sad to be a Jets fan. Um, very, very sad. Unfortunately. But what it does mean, though, is when you look at the Jets, they do have two third-round picks this year. And the fact yeah. that the Cleveland Browns are picking at uh, pick number 10. The Jaguars are most likely going to be taking a defensive player at nine, but there's still a potential that they could take a tackle if, let's say, that the Cardinals end up passing on a tackle for whatever reason. They could have a need for that as well. So if you're the Cardinals, the number one tackle's on your board, and the Jets say, hey, we want to jump the Cleveland Browns. We like this guy to be our starting left tackle this year. Hey, and if they say, we'll give you a third and a fifth, that I think is the one case where if it's me and I'm the Jets, I don't think that I would do that deal unless I really, really wanted one specific certain type of player. Let's say that they have Worf's head and shoulders out of everyone. You have a third and a fifth, you jump the Browns. More likely, what I do agree with you, John, is I think more likely they would just stay put, take maybe the second tackle that would be there, and then be able to say, hey, now we can keep our third round pick for the future. I think that's much more likely to happen. that it's a dangerous there it's a little dangerous it, to try to start guessing what teams will do because as we well, saw with bill o'brien it, the teams can get crazy but it doesn't feel like a, this is a draft for this year well it's a dangerous proposition because you look at the, the the i again i keep going back to 13 in san francisco you look at the five teams that are right behind arizona i think every one of them ha- matches arizona's quote-unquote primary need and this is a little bit with with an asterisk next to it because I'm including receiver, even though I don't think that that's the case. But we do believe that if the Cardinals take a receiver at all, it will be eight and it will be CeeDee Lamb. Benjamin Albright said as much online. That's He still thinks that that would be Arizona's pick if they took a receiver. And I'm with you, Blake. I don't see them taking a day two receiver uh, because of the uh, Isabella addition last year, because of the Hopkins. You took another one essentially this year with the Hopkins deal. I think that you would only take somebody like Lamb because he's such a high-end talent 
And then, like you mentioned, you want to go and spend one of your four someone on day three or maybe use a six round. That's fine. But it's either lamb or you're you're waiting till day three. That's 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 our opinion, I think. So let's let's look at this holistically and say, okay, Jacksonville's right behind you. They've made it known they need help at offensive tackle and receiver. They have no receivers outside of what's his name? DJ Shark. DJ Shark. Right. They want to add a receiver. Cleveland needs an offensive tackle. They've made it known they want to add a left tackle. The Jets need both tackles and receivers, like you just mentioned. Oakland Raiders, receiver. Outside of quarterback, you can make an argument that is their biggest need. And then San Francisco, receiver. Maybe they'd look for somebody to supplant Joe Staley at left tackle, eventually kick him inside this first year and then let him take over for Staley. But they've got McGlinchey at right tackle. If I was going to Card- say, John, real quick, wouldn't it be fascinating if the Cardinals passed on Derek Brown at eight and if the yeah. Jaguars did not take Brown? Because that would be – he may fall all the way down to 13 then just based on the needs that all of Give him to San Francisco. Have. San Francisco needs to take him. Yeah. It would just be, it'd be fascinating to see San Francisco trade away uh, one of their defensive tackles, replacing him with another defensive ta- – it, it would be interesting to see. I don't see them doing it just because of Kyle Shanahan and the need at least for a receiver like you said. Then you – then you've got Tampa at 14 that wants a left tackle. 15, the Denver Broncos are salivating over Henry Ruggs. Mm-hmm. We know they love Henry Ruggs. So it's like if you're Arizona and you're going into the late teens, early 20s, all of those premium play- players, because they are rated at the top of the draft. This is a historically deep tackle and receiver draft, high-end, high-end talent. They're all going to be gone. So like in your scenario, mm-hmm. if if – Let's say Tristan Wirfs is their top tackle, and somehow he makes it to eight. And the Jets want to come up and take him, and they're going to give you a third and a fifth to move from eight to 11. In my opinion, I think that's fair. If they want to give you the latter of their two-thirds, you have to be comfortable then letting Jacksonville then take a top receiver, letting Cleveland take, let's say Jedrick Wills went to the Giants. Tristan Wirfs goes to the Jets at eight. Then Becton will likely go to the Browns at 10. So then you're sitting there right in front of Oakland. You have to make a decision like mm-hmm. you just mentioned, Blake. If you're trading down, you're likely going to be picking from the last available tackle because I don't think all of them will be gone. The big four, Andrew mm-hmm. Thomas, Becton, Wirfs, and Wills Jr. by 11. So if you trade down, you're going to be picking from Andrew Thomas, Derek Brown, I, I, I don't think – if Lamb's gone at that point, receiver, in my opinion, is not an option. You're certainly not getting Isaiah Simmons at that point. Basically, it's going to be – and I think you'd agree with this, Blake – one of the defensive linemen like Ken Law or Derek Brown or Andrew Thomas. That, in my Barring something unforeseen, that would be the scenario. If I could do that, and I, I like Andrew Thomas fine. If he's the pick in a trade-down scenario – that that sign me up for that. While I don't think his ceiling is as high as the other individuals, certainly not Wills or, or Wirfs. If he comes in and just is a really really nice right tackle for ten years, and you get an additional day day two pick, that's a good trade down. But as we're seeing when we play out these scenarios, when you get out of the top ten, as it should be, there is a steep drop off in talent, especially when the Cardinals are essentially eliminating themselves from the receiver market if CeeDee Lamb goes in front of them and you're not interested in the rugs or Jerry Judy. They might be, but we don't think they they will be. So 
Not comparatively anyway, yeah. No, and I think that they would rather have somebody like Lamb with Murray um, based on his catch radius, based on his his physicality. I mean, he's he's just another DeAndre Hopkins. Who wouldn't want two it, DeAndre It fits Hopkins. their model, the physicality, the catch radius. Yep. It's similar to where they scouted for Fitzgerald. And I think that, John, that's probably, in my opinion, it's probably the only exception I think you make. If you were like, hey, we know that no one's going to touch Lamb before pick 13 because we know the Raiders want rugs, you know, this uh, now. Then you're like, okay, we get an offer. We get to roll the dice right. a bit, trade back in here. And then like, cool, we get a pick. Now we can spend that pick on a tackle and get Lamb. That's what I think most Cardinals fans would want, would essentially to say, hey, we're still getting the guy that Kyler threw to, but we're not abandoning the offensive line. But from both of us, what we feel is unless you can kind of pull, and that would be one of those like, you know, everyone's grades on Steve Kime would go from like an A to an A++. Yeah. But the risk to pull a lot of that off is very different because you don't know when another team will move up or move around. So well, right now, now, John, I think it's easier to at least picture that now, even if you're going to get, say, a third and a fifth for that one, the one scenario that I thought was interesting is, let's say, Raiders wanted to move up and take Jordan Love. You're picking one pick in front of San Francisco. Which would Francisco. be fantastic. Uh, your hope, at least, is say, hey, we'll give you up a third and a fifth. It'd be almost kind of like the, hey, you know, we paid you a third and a fifth for Rosen. Forget the player. Now, here, we'll give you a third and a fifth back. Move up for a quarterback. That would be one scenario where you're probably looking along the lines of saying, all right, unless Lamb goes to the Jets at least at 11, if that's their guy, for the most part, he probably would end up falling down to you at 12. You could get um, a pick. The That would be, at least in my opinion, John, would be the only case that I could see that would be at least, let's say, realistic. And the reason why it'd have to be realistic is there would have to be people who would be concerned that the Jacksonville Jaguars at pick nine would be looking at Gardner Minshew not as maybe the guy for a season, but seeing him as, yeah. all right, we're going to go out and get one of these first-round picks. A cheap starter. Yeah, yeah, a cheap starter yeah. for, for a year or two. And I, I second that. I think that's a great point um, because, again, the four teams that are right behind Arizona all play in the AFC. So they don't look at Arizona as, as threatening in the sense that San Francisco does within your division. And we know the Cardinals aren't trading with San Francisco. Additionally, the Cardinals have done business, like you mentioned, with Oakland before, with John Gruden before. Now, the Cardinals went from 15 to 10 and got a third and a fifth. They're going, they would be going from 8 to 12. So I do think they would be able to get a, maybe a little bit more. Maybe you're talking about a third and a fourth in this scenario maybe, yeah, uh, yeah. because the value isn't identical. Um, maybe, maybe you, you, you do a third and a fifth and a, and a six. I don't, I don't know. I don't have the trade chart in front of me, but I do think Blake, I think we're both in agreement, unless you're talking about a huge drop off when they get to eight. And I, I can't see this happening when they're, when there are going to be three quarterbacks that go in front of them. We think right Herbert Tua, and, and Burrow chase young. If, if there's a huge drop off in talent where they feel like they have to trade down what does that say about their 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 scouting reports? Right. I think I don't think that's the case. I think the only reason you trade down to try to just grasp a second rounder and remember when they had their first rounder in 2016 after they dealt for Chandler Jones, they stayed put and took Robert Kinbichi. He didn't try to go and get another second round pick. So I just I think that your scenario with Oakland, maybe the, with the Jets, those are realistic. I do not think it's realistic to go and trade into the late teens, early 20s just to recoup that second rounder. Kime should look at his own track record. You've already hit a home run with Hopkins. That's not a wasted pick. That's I think too many people who are infatuated with that second rounder. First of all, that second rounder could end up being Troy Nicholas, right? Mm, Kime has done 
Kime has done his best work, you could argue, in the third round. John Brown is a really, really high-end, I should, should say, low-end number one receiver. Now, it's not for Arizona anymore, but he is. Tyron Matthew is an all-pro. David Johnson was an all-pro. I think we both think that, that Zach Allen can, can be a good player, right? Now, Brandon Williams, a little bit of an outlier because that pick was so late um, in the third round. But I, I just think that there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong, certainly nothing wrong, with two mid-third-round picks that can both become starters. Um, then you have two fourth-rounders. The second round is great because it's, the, in my opinion, the greatness of the second round takes place where they usually pick where Byron Murphy is or Buda Baker, the, the, the guys who were best available right. after day one. That's not going to be where the Cardinals are going to be living, even if they trade down. Like you mentioned, Blake, those, there's a, it's a long time between pick 33 when Friday night starts and pick 53 or 56. That's, that's 20-plus players. So at that point, right. I would rather have Tristan Wirfs and a third and say, we have a stud right tackle, and I think if, if, if we trust our, our scouts, we're going to get two starters in the third round rather than just to go crazy and, and try to add second rounders. I, I just think that, that that you just take good players if they fall to you, and goodness, they, if, if they don't think a player that they get is worthy of the eighth pick, then we've got other problems. And I don't think there are going to be players that they're going to have enough ranked on their big board to be able to drop 10 spots that's not realistic yeah, i would agree with that and i, I think that there's from what i feel like john is that unless they actually get an offer from a team to give up a second to move up into that spot that fits with what they're looking for they're like okay here's our value we have on these players here's who's on the board as we've seen before sometimes uh, and we talked about this as well we argued for a long time if the Cardinals would give up the first overall pick to a team like the Oakland Raiders for, you know, two first round picks, three first round picks. Could you drive the price up and that desire for a quarterback? Looking back on all of it now, you'd be saying, hey, like, I don't know if I'd take the three first round picks versus Kyler Murray. And some of that is just the case of with how it is with the draft teams will have different values on players. What I think we should focus on overall, at least, like you said, is the third round with that pick that they will be making. Um, if you're in a spot where, hey, we've got four players that we wanted to pick eight, turns out all four are there and we can trade back to pick 12. Cool. That means that 9, 10, 11, we'll get one of those four guys. That's kind of, I think, how whenever a draft has gone for the Cardinals, they always have specific players that they've scouted, that they like, that they're pretty sure they can get or will be available within a trade back. That's how they've always done it before, and I think it's going to be the same. So let's move on from the second round and talk about these third-round players and what they could be looking at. The Cardinals sure. are picking at 72 this year. Uh, in my third and the fifth trade back, you'd be also picking at 79. But I think that more of is that range where I don't think the Cardinals will trade back a second time from here. I think that they would probably be looking at who's left on their board, who's fallen out of maybe that they had a second round grade on. Some players we know even last year at the top of the third round, there was at least two defensive tackles that for their team and scheme, they had like first round grades on those defensive tackles. Um, as a result, you could end up with a really talented player here. So I think it's going to be tough without knowing, obviously pick one or two, but some of the names that would stand out in positions of of uh interest be Lucas Niang, the offensive tackle, and Prince Tega Wanahogo, I believe, or Wanago, the offensive tackle. Both of those guys are talented, but have had injury questions and concerns at least going on. They weren't able to work out as much for the other players. 
Uh, I think you'd look at a linebacker. This would be a gold spot for linebacker. My guess is that the linebacker who I would prefer, which would be uh, Malik Harrison out of Ohio State, would be long gone by this point is my guess. So I think you'd be looking at someone like Akeem Davis Gaither would be someone you could take a look at. Uh, we know the Cardinals are going to look at tight ends. I don't feel like that they would take a Cole Komet here if he was there. He also may end up being propped up a bit. Uh, Matthew Pert is an offensive tackle, at least, that would be available. And I believe there was one other player, I have to remember who it was, that they were um, looking at in this range. Um, oh, I remember now, the um, either K.J. Hill or K.J. Hamler, where if they ended up going with line for the first overall pick and they still wanted to get a wide receiver and they have a high enough grade on a speed guy or at least a really good route runner, uh, those would be possibilities. But here's what I think, John. I think if I'm the Cardinals in this spot, this may be the place where you'd look at a running back. You could potentially take out of the running backs who are there, uh, either a back at this spot or a running back with your first of those first round picks overall. So there's a lot to kind of figure out in that drop off, like you said, going all the way to pick 72. Um, there's a couple of players, at least in that aspect, who would be there. The player who I would at least hope would fall, but don't feel he will, would be Cam Akers, the running back out of Florida State. He's the guy I feel like is the absolute perfect fit for the type of offense the Cardinals run with the vision, uh, being a big back that you can depend on. He essentially would be a guy who you could start and could supplant, essentially, where you wouldn't have to worry about Kenyon Drake. The issue is he had such a good combine overall, that unless he falls away because teams rank the other running backs a bit higher, it's going to be hard for me to see him being all the way there at 72. I could see him going somewhere in the 60s at this rate. Um, what are some of the thoughts that you have? Oh, and then uh, I was going to say, what are some of the thoughts that you have, John, about this third round pick? Is there anyone that catches your eye or something that you think would be a, a good player for the team? Yeah, I like him a lot. And I think that on a bad Florida State team, he really kept them competitive. He was their entire offense. I also think that, you know, running back to me, you would have to be convinced if you take it like, let's just assume they go with an offensive tackle at eight and you're going to go offense again and neglect the defense, um, especially after not spending too much high dollar amounts outside of Jordan Phillips and free agency on defense. You would have to be convinced that this guy is going to be you know, a future big-time running back where you can let Kenyon Drake walk after a year. I don't think that you can take a third-round back this year, especially when you don't have a second, and say to yourself, well, we can play it by year with this guy, and maybe he could supplant Kenyon Drake or Chase Edmonds in a couple years and, and be the guy. Now, certainly, we're not expecting a 2016 campaign from this individual, but I, I just don't think you can take it back at 73 and not have it in mind that this guy is going to supplant Drake, especially when Drake's playing on a one-year transition tag for um, almost eight figures. So I, we know that they like uh, – Blake and I are pretty indifferent on this guy. We know they like Zach Moss of Utah. Mm -hmm. They've worked him out at the Combine. They've had several get-together to, get meetings, whatever you can have now with prospects. They've, they've gotten together with him, um, and he was a really good college player at Utah. I think he – Fairly certain he was all-conference, mm -hmm. 15 touchdowns, high yards per carry attempt. Um, Lance Zerling of NFL.com compares him to Marion Barber. And if you look at him, he looks like Marion Barber. Now, Broken tackles, Barber, big body. That essentially right. was his game throughout all of college. Throughout all of college. Well, if, you, if you look at him, I mean, he will run you over. He's an inside zone runner, um, instant starter, according to Lance. And a lot of people feel that way. Um, he's a decent pass catcher. But he's a power back, and that really, when you when you think about Kingsbury and 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 Kime and 
and the offense that they run in in Arizona, the power back and air raid doesn't really kind of go hand in hand. But we did see them with Kenyon Drake, mm-hmm. with Kenyon Drake last year, assert themselves in the run game. Maybe that's what they are looking for to to kind of clear up the red zone what rose and this guy would absolutely help in the red zone i think if any if anything he would be able to come in and get you tough yardage that you're not able to get right now even with drake and drake looked good in the red zone when they got him especially late in the season um and so would i be thrilled with that pick at 73 no um i'd love to be able to get him at the top of the fourth round with one of those two fours that you have but i don't think that's realistic i also don't think it's realistic that clyde edwards is going to be there at 72 I, that's why I just don't think running back to me, you're, I, I would go for a, some kind of not project back. Cause I think all backs in the draft could eventually become starters. That's the position, but I just think you get a back on day three, have them mix in with chase Edmonds, who I'm a big fan of still Kenyon Drake's going to be motivated. He's going to be hungry. I love paying him one year contracts. That's how backs should be paid. In my opinion, give them high dollar amounts year to year and let them prove it. I think he's going to Drake. I know we're not talking about current Cardinals. I think he's going to have a huge season for them. So um, I want a player at 72 that selfishly can come in and contribute this year. Um, let's, let's stay on Washington. I think that Nick Harris, the interior offensive lineman from Washington mm-hmm. fits, fits what they like. Um, they love taking Washington players. I think they're going to be looking, let's assume that they don't go offensive tackle early and they don't have one that they liked rated at 72. I think they need to start looking at guys to put in the offensive line pipeline. I think that Pew had his best year last year. It's funny that Justin Pugh's like already going into his third season, but you can move off that contract pretty quick for this year if you want to. J.R. Sweezy's contract will expire. Mason Cole, who we like, kind of an unknown, hasn't started yet in the NFL in terms of for this regime, was not good his rookie season. So you need to start putting together a pipeline and say what you want on the draft network. Marino, his write up, check it out on on Nick Harris. He's got him compared to Rodney Hudson. Now, I don't that's a That's high praise. Rodney Hudson's an all pro center for the Oakland Raiders, was drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs. But that's the kind of player that the Cardinals need to hit on, in my opinion, on the interior. They need to find somebody that's their—that's the Gabe Jackson of the class uh, in the third round. They've never been able to do that since I've started following the team. Mm. Um, if they find quality offensive linemen, it's usually in free agency. But those are usually the Mike Ayupati's that flame out after a year. So it'd be nice to see them hit on a cheap, really high-end offensive lineman in the middle rounds. Uh, another player that I like, Blake— I like Kyle Duggar, who's a, who's a mm-hmm. safety out of Lenore Ryan, um, big physical player, six one and a half, two fifteen. He's got really nice range. He's incredibly athletic. He's not polished all that well. He's he's really raw, but he reminds me kind of as a tweener, a little bit of a player that they took in the third round out of a small school when they took Greg Toller not too long ago. I know that was a previous regime, but I just he kind of fits that same kind of player. Uh, Roquan Davis out of Alabama. They had um, success with Rodney Gunter, or uh, it wasn't Rodney Gunter. Who was the interior offensive, interior defensive tackle that they took from Ed Stinson? So they tried ah, to make yes. it work with Ed Stinson out of Alabama. Roquan is a much better player, and he fits that five technique that you're looking for. He's six seven. He's three fifteen. He's got mm-hmm. unbelievable power. He, I think, he's a rotational player next year, and then could blossom into a starter. Um, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody at 72 that can come in, get quality snaps this year, either at running back or defensive line, maybe interior offensive line as their six linemen, 
and then in 2021, be ready to take on a full-time role. That's how, in my opinion, you're going to cement yourself as a as a Super Bowl contender. Not every player needs to be Honey Badger in the third round, right? Those those picks come <laughs> along every every so often, every half decade or so. But you're, the hope is that you're smart about the eighth pick. You get a high-end blue-chip prospect that's your pro bowler. And then in the third round, you just find really good players that start for you, that fill out your roster, so you don't have to go and overpay players in free agency. You're going to get this player in the third round for four years of essentially nothing. So if you can bank on a starter, that's as much as I love Mason Cole, he really hasn't done anything for this franchise yet. If he pops this year, you've only got one more year of cheap labor next year. So again, if you're able to hit on somebody like a Kyle Duggar or, you know, I like Matthew Pearl from UConn or, you know, Jordan Elliott from Missouri, some of these offensive mm. and defensive linemen, yeah. I, that, that would be such a coup for this franchise because historically they, they have just not been able to do that, Blake. Right, and uh, we've seen at least there's the tale of two story. Uh, I guess you can say almost a tale of two cities or tale of two prospects in the third round. When it comes to Cardinals, for every Tyron Matthew we've seen for the team, uh, we've also seen a, um, a, a Brandon Williams or even a Chad Williams. Uh, I, I think of the trade back the Cardinals did in the third round, trading back to take Chad Williams, passing on the likes of Kenny Galladay to do so, passing on the likes of. Um, Chris Godwin to do so and uh, it's unfortunate because in a lot of cases as we've talked John the draft isn't something that could be fully ever understood or known it is a bit of a crapshoot but I think that what we can know for at least this I think there's two things one is you know the Cardinals are going to address offensive line I'll say this if the Cardinals take a defensive player or lamb at pick number eight I not to say maybe you guarantee but I think I'd be pretty sure the Cardinals will be targeting an offensive tackle in that third round if they go um, with a tackle in that round, I think it's much less likely that they do. There's not really a reason to stock up on another tackle in the first or the third after the Humphreys signing. Um, but I do think there's a lot more of a chance of them trying to play it safe, let's put it. Um, so originally one of the names I would have written in here would have been um, Albert. Uh, let me see. I think I got the name at least pronunciation here for him. But um, uh, is he's the uh, he was the tight end out of... Um, tight end out of Missouri with that one. However, uh, Okunawainabum. I think that's exactly, I think that's how you pronounce it. At least that is how one. you pronounce it. Good yeah. on you. Cause and I was going to say, I didn't that. even have it in front of me. I just trying to call it from memory. Yeah. Okunawainabum. Yeah. So he would be one of those guys. You're like, okay, four or five 40. He didn't have a ton of catches, but you're talking about red zone threat, seam routes, being able to replace some of that Charles clay blocking role. The fact that he's a lot more inexperienced tells me that I think that in this type of a draft with how everything is a bit more chaotic and there's not as much that we know going on, I think the Cardinals will be more likely to shy away from this type of a player with a third round pick and go for something that's more of a steady and proven. And uh, for that matter, that's part of the reason why we've talked about this, why we believe the Cardinals ultimately have a lot of interest in Zach Moss is you look at the pro football focus. That's something we've kind of joked about in the past that the Cardinals have used there is probably something to some of that he is pro football focus is number one running back this year partially because there is a lot of missed tackles that he forced now ultimately part of what will rule the day with him will be his medicals coming back he wasn't able to finish he only ran i believe a four six at the combine essentially ran his combine while he was hurt usually it's not a it can show the toughness and the durability at least for a player to, to do that but sometimes then it means that they're coming into the league with durability as a question 
Uh, for me, John, this would be, though, if he was able to come into the Cardinals and was able to succeed for at least a, a year or two or a couple of years, it would almost be the ultimate, it doesn't matter type of running back for Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. It would almost essentially say you don't need to have one of these top guys. You don't need a Cam Akers or a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We can just take a Zach Moss, a guy who we know at least is a hard-punishing guy who fits in our scheme, plug him in, and he's able to go. If that's the case, then we may be putting a little too much emphasis on that, and so maybe I'm not as opposed to that as I would have been in the past, but it'll just really depend on how the Cardinals want to address it. Like I said, I think that this is a pick that when we're talking about it, ultimately, if the Cardinals don't go, and there's a three-quarter chance <laughs> at the very least, maybe even more, that they don't go with an offensive lineman in the first round, I could see this being a spot that they would go here, just addressing one of the lines. So with that, let's move on to the fourth round that the Cardinals have. This is where I think things get interesting because I feel like that this is a spot where if you want to take a bit of a chance, you've got two picks in this round to do so. If you wanted to get a player who kind of fell into the 60s, maybe you could trade up from pick 72, move into kind of maybe the 60s, see if there's a guy who falls that's there. You could trade one of these fourth rounders. I think I'd probably prefer to keep them, John, because as we know, this is a deep draft that we're talking about after all at wide receiver. It's still a pretty deep draft at tackle. If you're assuming the Cardinals have addressed that with one of their first two picks, I could see them at least targeting a wide receiver essentially in this round, looking for more of a speed guy since we've talked about they like Lamb with one of these two picks, especially if they didn't get a wide receiver with their first pick here. Sure. Um, the name that stands out to me the most, obviously, and I've mentioned this in the past, is Devin DuVernay, guy who ran a 4-3. Uh, I had a friend who told me he's basically like Cliff Kingsbury. If he could design his own type of slot receiver in a lab, this would be how he would design him. It's and- not Andy, Andy Isabella? No, it's not Andy Isabella, at least for those. I think that, and part of the reason why is because of the fact that it's not just the 4-3 speed and being able to play out of the slot, but there's a bit more as far as being able to have um, contested catches and the fact that they played in the Big 12. He's got to see him on the opposing sideline. But moreover, there's another personal connection that we have here. Uh, He's Kyler Murray's cousin, and so it would be very, very Cardinals-like in a lot of cases to add someone who's Kyler Murray's cousin who also, may I add, has the same agent as Cliff and Kyler, uh, the exact same agent it would be very much like them in my opinion if they say hey kyler and we know we protected you in the first round with tristan Wirfs. we got you a tackle hey we had to pass on c lamp guess what we're going out here and we're going to get you uh your cousin who's there who's able to help you out and runs a 4-3 can take some of the top off the defense for it there that's kind of our apology that we'll have for you since they've already we've seen this with kyler with cliff even with a guy like michael crabtree it wouldn't shock me at all if this is one of the players who the cardinals would be able to target um, as well as just taking a look at the rest of the board, there's going to be at least someone who probably at least falls into this spot who, um, this would be another spot for running backs. Again, if they don't take one in the third, go for a line. This would be another spot. I'd look at some Bingo. of those other backs who are here. And John, for you and I, this is probably our kind of prime spot that we would have for taking a back if they're going to, because yep. the backs who will be here, if Zach Moss falls, that's great. If you've got Eno Benjamin, that's great. One name to not rule out would be Antonio Gibson, the running back who's known as a pass catcher, who would be kind of um, one of the players that I think you would have a lot of a lot of fans um, in the draft community just for his ability to catch. Uh, Darrington Evans is another name that's there. We haven't seen as much for the Cardinals. The only names that we know that they've met with who kind of go in this range, besides the cousin, would be Courtney Davis, the uh, another wide receiver that you have out of Texas A&M. Um, he's in the SEC now, so Cliff wouldn't have gotten to know him as well, but he was a guy who was a big-time Texas player, 
And as we know, with Cliff Kingsbury, Texas is one of the biggest uh, states that he knew and recruited from. Um, the one that I think would be most fascinating for me would be uh, of the backs would be A.J. Dillon would be a back you'd want to look at as well, just because of the size and the 40 time is almost, uh, you know, uh, Henry-like. And there's a couple of other players. For me, John, I think this is a spot where you kind of look at one of the players that you really, really like and want and one of them who's the best player available, whether sure. that includes like a defensive lineman or uh, like a, a Khalil Davis or someone like that. What would be your approach that you would take if you're in the fourth round? Are you looking to move the pick? What would be some of the players or talents that you would you could see being there realistically for Arizona? Well, Devin's a great uh, an example of, of premium value with somebody with those kind of tools, but just as incredibly raw. If you don't know how, how good of a, of a, an athlete, just how special of an athlete, other than the fact that he's within Kyler Murray's family tree, put the LSU tape on. We had a 150 yards and, and two touchdowns. I mean, he's a big time player. He's a mm-hmm. four year starter. Um, and again, I, I don't love them taking a wide receiver, after CD lamb, uh, in this draft, unless it's on day three. So I would hundred percent be okay with, with that kind of an addition. You know, I like to stay on the offensive line. I, Solomon Kinley from Georgia is the kind of player. I think that they should target six, three, three thirty was actually, uh, of course, teammates with Lamont Gilliard last year. Um, and I think could come in and, and easily become one of those, pipeline offensive lineman that we talked about um i like hunter Bryan from the university of washington if you're if you're looking at a tight end at that point and we we think that they are we know they sniffed around the free agent tight end market and then they just said to themselves this is getting a little too rich we're gonna go and, and find a developmental guy in the draft um i like kj hill probably more than other people do out of ohio state i just mm-hmm. I think he's a winner. I think he is a very competent player that could evolve into a number three receiver for a lot of teams. And if you're looking down the line when Fitzgerald is gone, I think he's he would be a, a quality option. And I think he busts his, his you-know-what on special teams. You know, Benjamin is fine. He's not my favorite player. Another player I would look at is a Troy Dye from, from oh, my backyard yes. here in Oregon. Yes. If you can get him at the top of the of fourth, and linebackers are... We'll see what this class, how it shakes out. But I think outside Isaiah Simmons, there's a little bit of a drop off, even though I, I like Kenneth Murray as a first first rounder. But then you're going to get a lot of capable starters between probably pick 25 to, you know, the early 100s. Um, and he's somebody 6'4", 225, super athletics. He's got length for days. Um, I think he could come in and be a rotational linebacker year one and could develop as a as a starter He's been out west. I, I know if they've watched enough Arizona State film, Arizona film, they've seen him on a lot of big time games. Was really good in the Rose Bowl. So that's somebody I that might be a pipe dream for him to still be there. I've got him with a late third round grade, but linebackers fall all the time. Um, a couple other players that I like, you know, Byron Edwin, Edwards continually appears mm. in every mock draft that I do at the top of the fourth round. And he, he's another one, just like Devin, who has all the tools. He's 6'3", 215, big, physical specimen, dominated Georgia this past season, um, and just is, is a physical freak. He's kind of like a, a poor man's Debo Samuel. So, uh, again, he's not the kind of player who is going to you know, be your Henry Ruggs perimeter outside receiver, 
But I, I think he's somebody that would be valuable between the hashes, making contested catches on third down for the Cardinals. Um, he would almost be kind of like my hybrid tight end early on until he refined a little bit of his route running abilities. And, and by tight end, I just mean an underneath possession receiver. Uh, and I think, again, like you mentioned, Blake, I think a lot of these receivers, you're going to get really nice value. Not everybody is Ruggs, Lamb, or or, or uh, Jerry Judy, but you're talking about finding twos and threes on days two and three of the draft, no pun intended. So um, one more, uh, I like John Simpson from Clemson. I, I just think Clemson, winner, 6'3", 330, or excuse me, 6'5", 330. Um, I believe he was a three-year starter. So, you know, you're talking about in big games, national champion, played guard, has played a little bit of center. Um, you know, I, I just, I like the interior market of this class, finding a starter or a pipeline starter late on day, th- late on day two, early on, on day three. That's something that they just haven't been able to do. And I want so badly for them to hit on one. And I think it, as as great as this tackle class is, Blake, you mentioned it, there's a drop-off after that first, what, six, seven guys, and then you're really going to get to the right. point where it's like they're truly development guy, developmental guys. They're not ready to play next year. Whereas I think there are, on the flip side with the interior guys, I think there are a lot of guys who can come in, and if they're not a starter right away, will push a J.R. Sweezy, maybe mm-hmm. a push a Mason Cole, and be ready to take that next step either at the end of 2020 or in 2021. Um, so I I think the positions to watch, like you mentioned it, at the beginning of day three, of course, positions that they hadn't addressed yet, I think they're always going to be looking for defensive linemen because they don't do not have enough impact players up front. Inside linebacker and interior offensive line and running back. Those are the positions, I think. Line of scrimmage, front seven, and running back. Yeah, I think if there's a linebacker that falls, um, like you mentioned, Troy Dye is one of the names that would be awesome for the Cardinals to look for. Uh, I think perfect fit. that would be a great fit for the Cards. You also should look at some of the edge players. The ones that stand out to me would be there's guys like Bradley and Nye who was there at the um, Senior Bowl. Uh, he made at least a few plays. Uh, I think that's one of the cases that you could say on uh, – you could also look at – the Cardinals have looked at quite a few three, four outside linebackers this year with guys that they've met with. Uh, Daryl Taylor, someone who projects a three, four along with Curtis Weaver. Weaver's supposed to go at least well ahead of the fourth round is what it seems like. Um, a lot of guys like him. But one of the defensive linemen that stands out to me at least that would be interesting is James Lynch out of Baylor. He's a defensive end. I could see him potentially being a spot where the Cardinals, if they think he's got enough flexibility. Uh, this is someone who, again, Baylor, Cliff would have had to coach against the guy on offense with his offensive lineman for the last year or two at least. So I think that would be one of the one of the different um, picks you could look for. If the Cardinals had a fifth-round pick, that'd be where I would put him, but you might be. You don't see that kind of guy who falls down there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it'll all shake out just because this is one of those spots where you're going to get uh, not the earlier Texans pick, the later one uh, essentially it kind of replaces whatever you would consider a fifth round pick john will be what you'll see in uh this round for the cards uh speaking of at least with the fifth rounders the pick that you would have at least for um 
the Arizona Cardinals goes to the Miami Dolphins. That should be official. And the player that they would have would be Michael Divinity, a uh, LSU linebacker. So it's interesting to see an LSU player be kind of who the Cardinals would have in that range. Uh, the next pick that Arizona has, it's kind of a little bit of a weight that you would be able to see. I, I did want to make one quick comment that we could say because I, I don't know we talked about it as much in this pod, but... It seems to me that the value, at least, that David Johnson had, for the most part, seemed like it was probably a second and a fourth for Hopkins. The fact that the Cardinals were able to get a fourth-round pick this year back from the Texans by giving up next year's pick is weird, but it's also kind of one of those cases of, like, uh, for those of you who've seen that Draft Day movie, which <coughs> not a good not a good movie overall. Not a good film. Nope. Not a good film. <laughs> but and there was one of those cases where the person who's the main character has all of the leverage is, and give me David Putney. I want David Putney, too. Where he just has the guy, like, on the back ropes and it, just takes a player from him. I almost feel like that's Steve Kimes. Oh, and I want a fourth-round pick just because. It also <laughs> reminds me of when the Raiders gave the Bears a second-round pick in the Khalil Mack trade, and people were like, what mm, the hell are you totally. doing? It's a totally. le- it's a lesser version of that where it's like well, we ditched David Johnson's contract and what no we we gave him a fourth rounder next year but we get their fo- one of their fourths this year what it, the Crazy. only the only the only ideology we have on it is that the, that Bill O'Brien must have had a second round grade on David Johnson that's that that or worth he was worth a second rounder yeah or because, uh, or very possible that getting <laughs> getting DeAndre Hopkins off of this team to him was probably worth a second rounder God, but he, he should not be involved with the team if that's what he thinks good lord yeah uh moving on at least as we talked about with the sixth round and this is interesting John the only sixth round pick that we've really seen that's worked out for the Cardinals the last few years as far as like a long term uh, at least type of player was Justin Bethel, who is a special teams player overall. Even last year's player that we saw, who was kind of like their sixth-round steal in Keyshawn Johnson, uh, ended up losing his starting spot by the end of the season. Some of that, I think, just comes down to adjustment, player hitting the wall. Some of it was just the athleticism that you're looking for in the NFL. is just on a different level. He would have had to improve his routes to so much of a point, even though he came in as a great route runner, he'd have had to improve so much to a certain point that at some, at some case you do have to win with athleticism. Uh, this would be some of the areas where I could see Arizona maybe grafting a safety. I, I think the Alton Robinson's the name that I forgot to mention from Syracuse. He's the other edge rusher. This would be another spot where I could see the Cardinals adding another defensive lineman similar to how they did last year. Um, or if you haven't gotten a running back up until this point, you're probably going to be able to grab a guy like a Joshua Kelly out of UCLA. Um, your hope at least would be that the Cardinals at this spot, uh, another name that I think at least comes up that would be interesting is you've got two cornerbacks, um, AJ Green and Lamar Jackson that I think you could see in this round. The Cardinals at least, uh, met with Lamar Jackson. Uh, ironically, they didn't end up, uh, wanting him during the 2018 NFL draft. So it would be kind of fascinating to see, um, you know, two players who shared like names with other players. Uh, it's not quite Connor McGovern and Connor McGovern, both being on the Denver Broncos, but it is at least kind of humorous to see that there are you know a lot of names and relationships that you have in the nfl um interesting i'm starting to see kenny wilkes it seems like he's pulled up a little bit the michigan state pass rusher it seems like he's kind of risen up for some people in day three other times i see him dropping all the way down to the sixth round there's gonna be a lot of players john who at this point people are going to be very very mixed on and as a result the cardinals may end up drafting a player like oh who is that player i'd never heard of him before um we had that case with michael dogby only people who knew of him were people at temple or people in um uh, some people at least who knew about Ohio just because he was a Browns uh, fan growing up, I believe. Um, you also take a look at the small school tackle that they drafted uh, last year. We even talked about as potentially being a swing tackle for them as well. 
Um, this is going to be a spot where you're just kind of throwing darts at a board, and you're also trying to grab in guys who you think will be priority free agents. Some teams even say, hey, we don't draft the guys who we feel like are priority free agents because we don't want to have to spend the draft pick or the resource on them versus it's like it's kind of like a we like the guy, but we think we can get him is <laughs> essentially what it's saying for free. There's players like that Drew Anderson that we saw last year who was a car that the Cardinals thought they were going to take him with that last pick in the draft, and then uh, Caleb Wilson was the last pick because he was still on the board. A lot of people did have a draftable grade on him. Uh, do you think this would be the area where the Cardinals could take a stab in the dark with Cliff for a quarterback at all, John? Do you think that's that ship has sailed? No, I think if they like a developmental guy, um, certainly that he would have to be one that you think you could either stash away on the practice squad or uh, you're going to carry three quarterbacks. I don't think the Cardinals are deep enough to do that. Um, and there, I, we don't have the financials on, on Hunley, at least I don't on the top of my head for this year, Brett Hunley, who's returning. Um, and I, I, at the end of the day, I just think that, you know, six rounders are such a wild card anyway. If you really love a quarterback that you think you can develop into a cheap backup, uh, and maybe parlay into a higher pick one day, do it. Um, so I, I would have no problem with it. I trust Kingsbury's, um, gut on quarterbacks. Um, but you know, like you mentioned it, the, the Cardinals have had no impact on late on day three since Justin Bethel. And to, to their credit, most teams don't succeed with these picks. Generally, they're 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 wasted away. And, and the guys that go undrafted have a better career. Majority of this league is made up of undrafted players. Um, but like you mentioned, just some of the options that, that I like, I like Joshua Kelly out of UCLA as, a, as an option here if they opt to not take it back. Um, Tanner Muse is somebody from Clemson that I have heard might be around and, and just, you're, you're talking, can these guys play special teams? Are they good locker room guys? Have they played in big games before? Um, you know, you're not looking for starters. If you get a starter at this point, that's great. You're playing with house money. Uh, the Cardinals took a fifth round supplemental linebacker or supplemental uh, safety in, in last summer. That's going to turn into, I think a really nice starter for them in Jalen Thompson, those are the kind of players that you want to try to find. And that's why I'm okay looking at quote unquote character concerns on day three, because like if they don't work out, you cut them and, and it's not a big deal. It's taking Robert Kimdiji on day one and having it blow up in your face. And you're like, Oh shoot. He was what? 28th overall pick. When in reality, right. t- take those guys on day three, if they work out great, if you're able to mold them and they're, they buy into your system Awesome. But if not, you know, it's not it's not a big deal. Sixth, fifth, seventh round picks get cut every year right before uh, this this the 53 man roster is finalized. But Scott France, Kansas State tackle six, five, three hundred. I mean, if you're looking at a developmental guy, somebody that I've watched on and off during his career, Kansas State. It's funny. I did this mock and uh, Trey Adams offensive tackle from Washington, who was a lot of people coming into this year was going to be a first rounder stud six, eight from the, you know, the, uh, uh, pack Northwest and has just fallen off a cliff. Um, he is, he's somebody that at the end of the day is even draftable, but, um, I would, I would take a flyer on him day three. If you, if you could get him. um, Kendall Coleman, Syracuse defensive end. I've heard good things about him. Super smart guy. You'd have to be to go to Syracuse. Um, so again, it's, it's taking guys, uh, it's cliche to say, but it's taking a chance on guys who are really talented that fall to day three, whether it's, you know, academics, off the field concerns, 
maybe they're just incredibly raw and they weren't developed right. You'd have to die. That's where you rely on your scouts and you say, okay, he's got all the tools and he lets, he looked great at, at the, uh, postseason get togethers, the workouts, the senior bowls, the whatever, the East West shrine games. Why didn't they succeed? Well, maybe their university is subpar and they have a really terrible program and he got mixed up with the, you know, the wrong crowd or whatever. And then you can, can we, can we elevate this individual? Or if it's like, you know, the Cardinals in previous years where they found capable players on day three, you know, the Chicago bears finding Eddie Jackson in the fifth round. I mean, those kind of things don't happen. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks were built, their dynasty was built on the Richard Sherman's of the world on day three, finding those star players. Um, the other safety, the strong safety escapes me, not Earl Thomas, but the other one from Virginia tech, um, they found him in the sixth round. Uh, and it's just, it's unbelievable. So once in a blue moon, you do get lucky. Um, and I do think Cliff, like Pete Carroll, when he came to the NFL, Cliff has an advantage because he likely scouted a lot of these players and recruited them while he was at Texas Tech. Right. You're looking at a lot of these players in the South. So he should have a lot of additional insight and the Cardinals should be in good position to find value on day three. Um, now they don't have a fifth round pick, but I, I do think that, you know, back to your original point, if you like a quarterback, go quarterback. I, I, I have no problem with that as long as he's not their last six round quarterback, that being Ryan Lindley. Right. And there's two, speaking of players that Cliff knows well, or those he scouted, recruited, or just talking about the relationships, there's two players in very particular, I think that Cardinals fans should watch for. Uh, one of them would be the offensive tackle from uh, Texas Tech, uh, Terrence Steele, who the Cardinals we know have met with. We don't know if there's interest from in, we're saying that. It may be more of we don't know how much interest there would be from, hey, like this is me introducing a guy who I'd love to add to the team to the rest of the board with your meeting versus here's the customary, like we're going to meet with him. It would be, you know, weird if we didn't meet with him type of a, <laughs> a thing, at least for that one, even though they don't want to draft him. But he's a guy who could probably be a swing tackle, a player who would obviously be familiar with Cliff's scheme considering he played in it essentially for at least two years he was recruited by Kingsbury that's one of the cases where with Cliff a lot of relationships and other aspects can come in so it wouldn't shock me if he's one of those guys the Cardinals target on uh, on day three uh, the one other name that would be interesting and from future context that we kind of know at least about uh, this is one that I think would be someone that we could also pay attention to um, just because there's not going there's probably there's a connection that you have and it dates all the way back to the beginning but when you talk about the air raid as a scheme you have to end up looking at who are some of the guys who ran it from Hal Mummy going all the way down. One of the peak uh, air raid coaches who still is there would be Mike Leach. He was Cliff Kingsbury's own coach when Kingsbury was there at Texas Tech, and he's had a good relationship. He even was one of the guys who advocated for Cliff when he came into the league, saying, hey, the air raid, it's not like it's some type of college scheme that doesn't work. It's the idea of a mentality. That's something that I think would be fascinating to look at because when you look at last year's draft, we know the Cardinals did have actually interest in one of those air raid quarterbacks outside of Kyler Murray and the player who they had interest in was actually Gardner Minshew who was drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars and at least as of now is their current quarterback one had an impressive start with his career um, some of that he at least accredited to was you know his coach said he was ready with uh, the air raid but you take a look at the Cardinals they at least had interest they took Keyshawn Johnson who is one of the wide receivers at pick 174 and then at pick 178 goes Gardner Minshew. Cardinals picked again at 179. So 
there's kind of a thing I've talked with some people about. We think that the Cardinals may have been targeting with one of those three sixth-round picks, bringing in Gardner Minshew. We think they just had a higher grade bringing in the wide receiver who they were at least right on him, Keyshawn Johnson. Like He got starting time and starting uh, games for the Cardinals that year. But the fact that they were willing to add again with uh, Gardner Minshew makes me think that it'd be possible they may target Anthony Gordon, the Washington State quarterback, who at first it doesn't seem like he's that impressive compared to the others. But like Gardner Minshew, he was uber-productive, played well, understands the air raid, and he was second in the entire um, college football season in passing yards and touchdowns, only to Joe Burrow. So when you're talking about production, performance, air raid, uh, the question that some have had is they think that they, probably because there's questions about Gardner Minshew arm strength, there's not as much about those with Gordon. Some think that he's going to go higher this year or that teams will maybe, even if he doesn't turn out to be like Gardner Minshew, some team may overcorrect and be like, oh gosh, we can't pass on that guy. We got to get him with our fourth round pick and they take him maybe a little early. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if the Cardinals took a look at those two players just because of the personal connections that you have. And especially if Cliff thinks, hey, I can take a backup quarterback who knows the air raid, knows my scheme, can develop him for a few years he can take over as the backup and then we deal him away for maybe even as much as a second round pick um that i think would be kind of the dream if you're a cardinals fan uh and uh, as far as for that goes john are there any other players positions other things comments that you would have for the uh positions we kind of wrap it up for tonight's show because we kind of hit pretty much everything from round two possibilities banking on what the cardinals did obviously at round one all the way down to the seventh round we're not going to get into the undrafted free agents obviously for all of that it's a little too much in depth but what are some of your kind of parting thoughts that we have for this episode yeah, I just I would continue just to encourage people not to get hung up on adding a second round pick because um, again, you, DeAndre Hopkins is a member of your football team now, and goodness, you can find good players later in the draft. The Cardinals need to only worry about one thing, and that's ensuring that they walk out of the first round with a very very high quality football player that can come in and be like your first round pick this year. Like Kyler Murray last year, they're one for one with Kingsbury in the fold. Kaimes needs to come in and be a starter immediately. They are not deep enough at any position, including receiver. If they draft C.D. Lamb, C.D. Lamb needs to play a ton. He does not need to be fourth on the depth chart. If he's if if that's what they say and that's what's on the the game day sheet, that's fine. But on game day, it, how many snaps is he playing? Right, he's going to mm-hmm. come in and be a contributor. If if you draft Tristan Wirfs or Jedrick Wills, they need to be your right tackle week one. If you draft, God forbid, Derek Brown, he, given the current climate in their defensive line room, he better be a starter, right? If they draft Isaiah Simmons, he better be right there alongside um, the rest of the inside linebackers week mm-hmm. one. He better be right next to Jordan Hicks in week one. So, again— the, the further you move down to get a second rounder and you sell your soul, I keep going back to that, you're going to be compromising that. And the Cardinals do not have enough young, high-caliber, cheap prospects on their roster. They, they have high-end talent. They have Chandler Jones and Patrick Peterson and Hopkins now that they're paying a premium. They're going to pay DeAndre Hopkins, I think, anywhere between 18 to $20 million a year on this new extension. Wouldn't it be great to get somebody at eight? I don't care what position it is. I, I'm at the point now where they, they need so much still, and I love what they've done already. They've covered all their bases. Just get the best football player that can come in and help them. Because even as, even though I don't like Derek Brown as a prospect, he would help them. I, I just don't think his value is there to take him at eight. 
But CeeDee Lamb, Isaiah Simmons, goodness, if Jeff, Jeff Okuda was there, one of the four tackles, if you believe that he is a, a franchise changer to come in and help set a culture at that position unit, do not screw around and trade down even for additional picks. The Cardinals, to me, they're close, man. With this added playoff spot, they could be a playoff contender next year if the if they get this pick right. There's a lot there's a lot riding on this pick, Blake. Hey man, you're muted. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say I just turned my mic off on that way. Yeah, I think that your goal, obviously, John, as we kind of close out tonight, would be you want the Cardinals to add an impact player, be able to hit on that first-round pick, um, and then follow that up by being able to find at least one more impact player somewhere with the next few picks that they would have. And then your hope would be to have a, a late gem. If you can find a late gem, then you can hit one, two, and three. Uh, last year, at least for the comparison, you have Kyler Murray was your first-rounder. That's a little different even for that phrase. You want to make sure that you can have a uh, a guy who you drafted high that you know is going to perform and does perform. You want a guy that you can hit on in a later round who's like, wow, th- why didn't why did this guy fall to the third round? He should have gone earlier. Or is that good of a fit in your scheme that he can make an impact? And then you want to be able to find a late gem. The Cardinals last year, I think when we looked at this one, we broke this down from coming out of camp. You had Kyler Murray was that first one. The second was Byron Murphy. Wow, how'd this guy fall all the way to day two? And even though he gave up quite a few touchdowns, there were a lot of great plays that he made where he was a starter and ultimately made an impact for the team. And then your late gem that you looked at last year was probably a guy like Keyshawn Johnson. When you talk about successful and then stacking drafts, the Cardinals can pull out at least three really great prospects per draft. Then if you get the one draft where you happen to hit on four, it's going to turn you around in a very, very quick manner. Uh, The Saints, I think, are one of the best teams that did that with Marshawn Latimer in the first round. And then they followed up, I believe, with getting a uh, second-round tackle, unless I'm mistaken, with Pete, who started for them. And the third round, they had their um, running back, who was able to be there. Yep, Alvin Kamara. So if you can stack one of those drafts, then I think we'll be able to start talking a lot more about the Cardinals. And it's, it's a long way to go. We'll be able to break down a bit more, at least, for their playoff chances coming up. But it's just one next step that you have on this team rebuilding, getting themselves into a spot to take advantage of their time with Kyler Murray on that rookie deal. Well, that'll wrap it up for us tonight, folks. Um, Again, if you want to make sure you can check out our content, we'll have a lot more coming up. There'll be more mock drafts, more player upsides. I've been meaning for a couple of uh, of days to be able to find, or a couple weeks, I should say, finally get up a profile on Devin DuVernay with all the connections at Cardinals fans. If you're finally getting a chance for that this week, um, just trying to cram it in amidst the rest of my annual quarterback study that I go through. Uh, Here's a hint, Joe Burrow's very good. (laughs) Uh, That's going to be what you'll see from that. So that'll be coming in the next few weeks i'll have a special kind of surprise for you guys that we're working on as far as for that next week too um we'll give you more details on that as it comes uh, in the meantime john where can our listeners find you yeah i'm here at the rotb uh podcast revenge of the birds podcast as well as uh on twitter at johnny touchdown and then you can find my written content on revenge of put out an article uh on monday of this past week about why the Cardinals need to hurry up and evolve and uh, change their uniforms. <laughs> Blake, where can they find your content? Uh, I'll, I'll leave the uniform tweets to you, John. But for the rest of my content, <laughs> uh, you can find that on Revenge of the Birds or at BlakeMurphy7 on Twitter. Uh, make sure you hit me up. Always happy to chat and talk with any other Cards fans. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, again, you can find us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Podcast, iHeartRadio, um, Stitcher uh, as well for podcasts or wherever you want to look. Thank you again so much for joining again. We'll check in with you guys next week. We are counting down. We have less than, I believe, 22 days by the time you hear this till the NFL draft opens Three up. weeks. Three weeks away. Take care, everyone. Stay safe.